Welcome to That Escalated Quickly, a resilience podcast where we talk all things operational and organizational resilience, from emergency management right through to business continuity. My name's Simon Peaty from Escalate Consulting, and I'm joined by my colleagues, Bryony Morgan and Trent Clouston. Today's our first podcast, and I'm really excited. So welcome, Bryony. Welcome, Trent. Um, why a podcast? Why, from an Escalate Consulting perspective, does this become important to share this message, talk about what we're doing? I, I think we have these conversations in the office, which we have these light bulb moments, and we want to share them with you. Um, share them with people that are listening. I I think from my perspective as well, where the resilience community, but also business people, both Australia, New Zealand and globally, don't actually have a forum to discuss some of these issues, ask questions. Um, we found that, that when we go to industry forums and we go to organisational forums, they're often really targeted at just cyber or, or just continuity, it's that opportunity to to broaden that out and have a, a bigger conversation. Uh, I think it's the opportunity for us to share with the listeners um, some perspectives, uh, both uh, positive, negative, um, hopefully some controversial to generate discussion, but at least improve that discussion in our industry and, and with business professionals who are interested in making their organisations better. Where do we actually go from here? And it's getting the conversation started. As Trent said before, a lot of we have amazing conversations over the water cooler or it's that water cooler talk that we always speak about is can lead to some of the most productive outcomes. And it's this is our platform now to share it with our our with the community, with the other professionals and with people that are genuinely interested in in business resilience. So we talk about and I think it, oh, sorry, go Trent. Oh, I was going to say, and I think it's, it's good to say, like, we, we're coming out of probably the biggest event globally, being the pandemic. Everyone's talked about resilience and organisational resilience. It's it's the buzzword. Um, let, let's talk about it in a bit more detail. And that's a great segue into the fact that resilience across so many aspects of people's lives at the moment is a buzzword. But when we talk about resilience, when we talk about what that means to us and to the businesses that we support, what is that? What is resilience, Brian? I'm going to start with you. What's resilience um, to you? Well, it's it's more than just one thing. I don't think you can wrap resilience up in terms of one concept. I think it's multifaceted and I think it is genuinely a journey that businesses and organisations go on. Regardless of where you're starting or what your understanding is of resilience, the, the ability for you to um, adapt to understand what your business is, how it operates, what it needs to be able to build a level of, of resilience capability into the future. Um, there are so many different aspects that fall into that, whether you're looking at documentation, uh, whether you look at people, whether you look at the processes that your your organisation follows and the uh, operating environment that within which it exists, um, all of that contributes to, to resilience as a whole. Trent? Uh, resilience to you anything more to add there well I think you've just got to listen to bed sports commentators the news anyone in normal conversation is dropping that word resilient into the conversation so it is about conditioning it is about preparation preparing for things that can go wrong um, and knowing how to come out the other side yeah I always come back to the analogy of the rubber band 
being able to stretch and bend but snap back into place. And that concept of um, when we talk about resilience, everything that that both of you have have said, um, really that identification, that but preparation for when something is going to bend. And we live in a world at the moment that is just chaos. Um, we we often talk about whether or not we even should um, listen to the news at the moment because it's all bad news. There's not one day that goes past that we're not opening uh, mainstream news anymore with fluffy kittens riding on on kind of uh, jet skis or something, whatever craziness that could be. We're, we're genuinely opening with what is the next catastrophe that is going to impact people or businesses. And that is just day in, day out. And and Trent, I'm I'm glad you you raised COVID because it feels like we are a generation that has now gone through this this massive impact. Um and we've started to come out the other side. And again, that's probably a, a debate for a future podcast of of what does our operating environment actually look like at the moment and and do we do we even have stability at all? But we are coming to that post-COVID world um, with the opportunity that that it's not over in terms of uncertainty, in terms of, of chaos. If anything, we're seeing all of these events starting to, to compound and the opportunity for organisations to not just sustain operations but have to go forward into that world is, is one that providing planning, providing that capability building that resilience to be able to bend and not break with these events is really what resilience means. Being able to snap back into place or even thrive from from that uncertain and that chaotic operating environment. I think one thing that often people miss when we talk about resilience is the opportunities that, that, it pres- that uh, events like that can present or chaotic events can present. And how and part of looking at organization look at organi- looking at organizational resilience, it's not just about how you survive a particular event, but how do you take advantage of the opportunities that presents and actually grow into the future? And an, a really, really broad example I'll use is the current ongoing discussions all around artificial intelligence and chat GPT. You know, that as an emerging um, opportunity and a threat depending on who you are and what way you look at it. But that just it alone presents so much opportunity and risk to organisations that if you are not resilient or if they are not resilient in their practices and undertaking activities that can contribute and build to their resilience, that's potentially the, the next emerging, I guess, driver of, of an impact disruption, to, yeah. to disruption that, that businesses are going to see. Um, and that's the positive from, from a crisis. There comes opportunities. Mm. And, and allowing organisations to harness that and, and change the way they do business to change their dynamic is something that makes organisations resilient as well. That's right. Sometimes you've got to shake the foundations to, to make sure that you've got so it's the, the right base, the sturdiness to, to build, to go forward. It's, it's not just about assuming that we're in the right position. It's knowing and having that confidence that we can drive forward from here. Um, we... We talk about resilience, we've just had that discussion, but we would, each of us in this room, each of us in this conversation would consider ourselves as resilience consulting. And Bryony, I know that this has happened to you and and um, uh, more recently is 
somebody questioning, hang on, resilience consulting, that's actually a thing, right? So this is what you do, but people question, why does that even exist? Why does resilience consulting exist? Why is it a thing that we do and that we believe we're very good at? What do you do? So it's all about, it's almost coming in with a fresh set of eyes into an organization. We know what works. We know based on our experience, what, how organizations can better harness um, and take advantage of those opportunities. But like any skill, I would never profess to be a surgeon just because I've watched an episode of ER, for example. Um, and Simon, I know you have a good analogy about well, James Bond. Well, I've always <laughs> assumed that if James Bond can jump into five different helicopters and fly them, that I could as well. So I am adamant that if the pressure arose, that I could jump in a helicopter and understand briefly and broadly from James Bond's movies that I could flick enough switches to make that thing go. And I Potentially can... incorrectly, <laughs> but that's my assumption at this stage. And I can tell you, looking at Trent and my face right now, there is no way we'd be jumping in that helicopter <laughs> with you. But what it does is it highlights that, you know, resilience and building resilience, it, it's a skill and it takes experience and it takes understanding what what good looks like and what international standards are out there that, that we're looking to align to. And often, you know, businesses are, that that's not their core that that isn't their core business. That's not what they're looking to do day in, day out. Yeah. So so, so people not coming into a business to watch it burn. To watch that's it right. Burn. That's right. Often, you know, p people say to us, if if we're in crisis every day, we're doing something wrong, and that's where we come in with that fresh set of eyes. We know what works, and we know how to approach, regardless of what industry, regardless of what organisation, regardless of size or complexity, we're able to come in and actually assess it and go, this is what. This is what we, we know will work for you. And Trent, for, for you, building resilience within a business as a consultant, um, like why why do you do it and, and what do you look for in your in your profession as a consultant? I, I guess I'm, I'm really keen to learn more about the organisation that I'm working with. Um, and, and I think it's really important, as Brian has said, yes, we know what works, but it might not work for every organisation. It has to be tailored very specifically for their that how they operate, where they geographically fit, what are the values, what, what do they value most? Is it people or is it, you know, are they a not-for-profit or are they a for-profit organisation? They all have different different sentiments that, that really make them unique and that's where we can really bridge that gap. Now, um, you've only got to look at the, the rise of like a chief resilience officer now in some companies. Mm. So what that that tends to the priority that, that boards and executives are putting on this as well. So are we saying, because, and I'm happy to talk to this as well, because we're not saying that organisations need us to do it, but it's the concept of having that expert to support them on the resilience journey. I think that's really an important distinction to make upfront for this, is resilience is something that we want to build in organisations and we want to help their staff to get to a point where they feel confident where they feel capable um, with the right documentation to support them. But getting to that point is not simple. Um, and unless you you have been through it before, unless you have exposure and you know what right looks like, I think what we're saying is it's actually quite easy to get wrong. Mm. Um, and and I, I find that it's about saving time and energy 
Um, and the example that I can raise there is, a, is quite a large national organization here in Australia who almost three years of trying to do it internally still don't have a crisis management plan. They've gone through nine iterations that I'm aware of that have all been created internally. No one's happy with them because nobody trusts the individuals of whether or not that's the right thing to do. So they just go round the boy again. So potentially that concept of what we're doing as consultants is cutting through those barriers and being able very easily to say, this is what is a stage that works. We know that works from industry experience. Let's at least get that on the table so you're not working with a blank sheet of paper and starting to move uh, move through your resilience journey, at least from a start point, not from zero. And I think that's uh, another point to make there is a, a lot of what we do too, there are really, um, really uh, organisations will ho- often have somebody or, or a couple of people that are responsible for implementing resilience activities in their organisation, whether that be from a training perspective, a simulation perspective, or just purely writing policies and plans to support the organisation. But often we ca- where, where we sort of bring our expertise in is to support those people in being able to achieve that buy-in and actually drive the program forward, um, purely, if nothing else, just from a resourcing perspective. Yeah. So Trent, let's, let's take it through this stage of if an organisation is considering their resilience program, um, let's let's work through the stages that we look at. So point one could be an organisation that knows that they are at the basic or zero level, an organisation that knows they have something in it and they want to improve, or an organisation that has a level of confidence through real events and is looking to see how they refine that at the other end. So let's start all the way at the beginning. And I'll, I'll, I think that's an important conversation for us to have at this early stage of podcast one is if there's an organization that's listening today or professionals that are listening and saying, we, we haven't even started this journey, what does the basics look like? So Trent, I'll come to you first. What does basic resilience programming um, look like? What would you say, what's the first point them to, uh, for an organization to consider if they're at a zero or very minimal level? So if they're looking to increase their resilience, like what's their motivation? Is it from a compliance perspective? Is there a driver, be it, be it the insurance market, they need it for this? Um, is it for a tender process, which we're seeing a lot more around third parties? Um, what's their motivation? What are they trying to achieve? Are they doing to, to doing that activity to tick a box? <clears throat> or are they generally trying to do better for their business, their employees, their customers, or whoever that might be? Um knowing where they're coming from. So if they have an existing plan or process, does it work? You know, are they happy with it? Is it exercise? You know, have they tested it? Have they, you know, what, what do they like? What don't they like? What are their values? Um, so where do they, where do they see value coming from? Yep. And then just trying to, to work through with them as to what are your gaps? What are you, what are your known gaps? And then what do we look at from a fresh set of eyes around and, and, I guess cross-referencing that with standards, what's missing, what don't we see, what works, what doesn't. And, and I think that's important to state that um, we are we we are going to try within this podcast to have that broader view. So everyone that is listening, please forgive us if we say we we're just so used to being in there. But but it is that that external set of eyes as well that I think is important. So Brian, if if someone has zero, if, like you're starting from a very basic level, what's what's the thing that that you're looking at? 
I'm looking at buy-in across the organisation, particularly from the executive leadership team. And it goes back to what Trent was talking about, about drivers. Why are they doing this? And um, what are the challenges as to why it potentially hasn't taken off up until now? And one of the key, I guess, issues or challenges that that I would seek to address is actually achieving that buy-in to allow the organisation to say, well, it is important for us for these reasons. And once you have that clearly established and once you have that top-down um, engagement, it's a lot easier then um, to understand, well, what activities do we need to start putting in motion to achieve whatever it is that they, they, the, the end state is for that organisation? I think that's you've hit the nail on the head where it's anyone can write a policy. We can assign an accountability to a group or a person yeah. to do this. But if it doesn't work because there's no buy-in or people don't know it exists, it falls over at the first hurdle. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely spot on. The other thing from my side at a basic level is is I I will tie this back to risk management, which is um, what are those key risks, what are those key events that, that you actually need real mitigation for? And and I agree with everything that, that both of you have said because that drives that program through. But there are some real from a resilience perspective there are real material risks that organizations are facing in this chaotic world that if you don't have a response for if you don't have a plan for you're not just exposing your business or your people um to to um disruption you're potentially exposing them to to catastrophic failure and there's that's the last thing that I think anybody needs at the moment with the fatigue coming out of COVID is that uncertainty that where are we actually going to be able to survive the next thing? So that becomes really challenging, a challenge for any organisation. If, you, if you're listening to this and you're saying, hey, I don't even know if we've got anything, that's the ultimate piece about, well, how, what are you going to do if tomorrow you turn up and it is all on fire? Mm. Um, and that's really concerning. All right, moving into if, um, uh, and Brian, I'll start with you this time, moving into an organization that's potentially got something there or is very confident with their, what are they looking for in terms of, of potential improvements here? I think uh, genuinely it's looking to, and I, I, we mentioned it before, that resilience is a journey. No matter where you start, there's always opportunities that you can take advantage of to to be better at it. And for an established organization or an organization with established processes and practices it's about how do you increase the the maturity but the complexity of what you're then able to deal with so things like running end-to-end scenario testing or scenario exercising where you're increasing in complexity and it's it's actually measured over a, a number of years rather than just looking at a simple snapshot of it this particular day in this particular year this is how we performed as an organisation, how are you seeking to increase that complexity? Whether that's introducing, um, you know, boards of directors into that exercising process. How do you take advantage of your, if your operations or your organisation is growing or looking at different service offerings? How are you incorporating that into your resilience plan to therefore bring bring that along to make sure it continues to be fit for purpose for you? So for for organisations with established procedures, there isn't. There's still a, a lot of opportunity that can be um, harnessed in how we approach uh, building that capability within the organisation. If you just bring in an ex- like the external that you would rely on in a mm. live event, yeah. provides that complexity that 
doing it always internal in the safe walls of your own boardroom. Assumption-based planning. Correct, as, as to, to be able to just say, how would this actually work? Um, Trent, for you, um, an organisation that, that or, or people listening going, oh, I think we're pretty good. Um, I think we're pretty confident that, that we could respond. Questions not to, to shake that, but to confirm that for them. What, what would you be wanting them to, to, to look at and focus on? Well, probably, probably goes to the point of what's the assumptions versus what's reality. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, we, we talk about that from time to time, but what do they assume will happen? What do they assume will go right? What do they assume will go wrong? And often they don't assume anything will go wrong. Yeah. Um, the reality is that other things will break. You'll have compounding events. Um, prime example is, you know, I've run the, run the scenario plenty of times. That, you know, we have a fire in an office building in any CBD in Australia, any CBD globally, people will leave their laptops and all their belongings behind because rightly so emergency management, get yourself out to safety, get your, you know, colleagues out as well. The first assumption by management might be, well, we're going to go to work from home. <laughs> okay. With, with what? The, the assumption was we can just work from home now, especially in a post-COVID era. That's right, with your but mobile everybody's phone. Everyone will bring their mobile phone with them. Oh, yeah. Well, well and but, but that's the assumption is we can just work from home, but we've now lost laptops. We've lost technology that supports that. Um, has anyone tried to, you know, source multiple laptops at any given time now? Like, there's a supply. There's a global, support, global shortage of, of supply. Um so the constraints, you know, configuring a new laptop, it all takes time. So the assumption we're going to get it back up and running in an hour is quickly blown out. Well, we might be able to get it back on tomorrow. Yeah. So assumptions versus reality is a really important factor that people really need to consider. And I think that's equally important when you consider information. So assumption versus reality is if you assume, particularly, and Simon, back to your point earlier about third parties being involved in your crisis response or your any, any type of response to a disruptive event, if you assume that they will come to the table straight away or within the hour and have all the information that you need to make that decision, you potentially- Do they know that? Do, do they know that? <laughs> do, do they know that, you know? So it's, 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 in, it's understanding if you're relying on a key bit of information in order to make a planning decision um, as a result, you need to understand at what point will that information get yeah. to you? Uh, absolutely. And I, I think from my perspective with um, the work that we've done when we've gone um, into organisations or we speak to to our peers and our colleagues across this industry um, about organisations that are quite mature, um, the, the piece from my side is always around what has changed. Because if you ask, if someone just assumes away, um, Trent was right, saying, oh, I think we're pretty well. And you say, uh, I think we're pretty pretty right to continue to go on the path that we're on. Um, you say, well, what have you changed within your plan in the last 12 months, in the last two years? And a lot of the times in those organizations, they'll say, no, it's a well-established plan. We've got the same plan. Um, that we've had and you say well is the organization the same has it changed had the impacts has the operating environment changed and always the answer is well yes we've had significant change but that hasn't always been reflected through in terms of their resilience program now before we start to wrap this this first episode up um, and we start to talk about what is to come it is, again, coming back to the concept of resilience consulting 
Uh, so for those that are listening, Escalate as a resilience consulting firm is here to help um, with uh, resilience consulting in terms of crisis management, business continuity, incident management, post-incident reviews. Um, we do so much in this. However, the concept behind us is here to help. Um, it's about value-adding to organisations that potentially need that start or need that refinement as as we move forward. Um, in terms of this podcast, this is the first one. This is about resilience. It's about a journey um, for organisations. So we don't just want to come here and quote ISOs or standards as we move forward. It is about broadening the discussion of all those varying aspects as we move forward without going um, and, and providing listeners with just a list bang on um, as we go forward. Bryony, when we think about what we want to talk about, what's exciting you about the topics to come? Is there anything that, that jumps out that you want people to look forward to? I think there's just so much happening in this space right now, um, particularly around information technology, artificial intelligence, uh, and sort of the cyber security space. There's a lot that we can talk about in this, and it's all topical. Everybody's talking about it. That's all a lot. Most of when we engage with organisations, it's what they want to talk about. Um, um, so, Trent, when we when we talk about what's to come, what what are you looking forward to being able to discuss? In a podcast I think, environment, well, I think, um, and I think of all the organisations I've worked with in the past, they always get the most value initially talking about recent events and case studies, and you know, unpicking some of those events that have been on the front page, or you know, putting themselves in that place. If this was your organisation that was there, so I think when we start to talk about some of those recent cyber attacks that have occurred, you know, some other big disruptions globally, things that might might come, uh, I think that will be a, quite an interesting perspective. And from my side, I'm really looking to engaging back into our community. So starting to bring in other industry experts or representatives from business, um, insurance, in risk, um, in, in some of the clients that we've worked with about their perspective of what good looks like. Um, that shared experience, again, is only going to make um, our the organisations and the individuals that are listening to this better. So the, the real outcome for us, I think, from that escalated quickly. This podcast, the Resilience Podcast, needs to be uh, our ability to impart some knowledge, allow people to uh, come on that resilience journey with us and be able to take something away that they can ask questions, review their own programs, review their own organisations and really strive to be better. Ladies and gentlemen and listeners, uh, that is That Escalated Quickly Podcast 1. Um, we're really looking forward to engaging with you over the f uh, future episodes. Um, if you've got any questions, queries, doubtful points at all, um, the right email is hello at escalateconsulting.com.au. That's hello at escalateconsulting.com.au. Happy to answer any questions or queries at all. Stay tuned for our next episode of That Escalated Quickly, a resilience podcast, and subscribe to our channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and our social media. Have a great afternoon.